I have somebody with me today who I have been a guest on her show. And uh, and after I was on her podcast, I started to really look at what she was doing. And first of all, I couldn't believe how busy she was. And uh, but she does some extraordinary things, um, not just for the law enforcement profession, um, but for the citizens as well. And uh, she has a fantastic social media presence. Um, she's a terrific communicator. And uh, so I'm really excited for you to meet her. Officer Autumn Clifford, welcome to the show. Hi, Betsy. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, so you uh, so you are Officer Autumn. We'll get into that uh, in a little bit. Um, but uh, because you do uh, so much, I mean, you're, uh, you're a trainer, you're uh, an athlete, you are a coach, uh, you're also a dog mom. And uh, um, you're you're just incredibly busy. But talk about your law enforcement career and how that led to this whole different career that you're doing now. So, Betsy, I um, I've been on the road a minute compared to you, but um, I started in law enforcement when I was 20 years old at 26 and a half because the half does count. <laughs> I um. I sustained a back injury and unfortunately it took me out of full-time patrol. Um, and from there, I, and as if you can imagine, I hit a rock bottom. I lost my whole identity. Um, I married my husband. I met him in the police Academy. He's um, Sergeant in the state police. You know, all of our friends were police officers at the time I was halfway through my master's in criminal justice. Like my whole life was, this job. I was really working my way up. I really wanted to get um, into the administration one day. And so when um, I had this back injury and then pretty much, you know, overnight, my doc was like, yep, no more. You you can't do this. Um, I have a herniated, torn and degenerative disc all on my lowest back. And I wasn't a candidate for surgery. And so um, it basically my options were, it wasn't good. So, <laughs> so I went through an identity crisis, Betsy, and I became um, couch ridden for six months. Couldn't really do a whole lot. I was undergoing intense therapy five days a week and um, I became very depressed, uh, anxiety ridden. Every officer who I've ever spoken to will, could understand this or anybody who actually just um, is busy. You like to go all the time. You love life. You like to be excited. You know, we love that. We get addicted to that hypervigilance pattern, right? When you slow down, you don't like to, you don't like that. <laughs> well, you it's don't... very unnatural, isn't it? For somebody who's just used to running and gunning figuratively and literally, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're just sidelined. And, and that's it. And that's what happened. And the, you know, I um, got diagnosed with PTSD and an anxiety disorder. Going to the grocery store was what it was hard. It was so hard, um, you know, going and being in public, all of these things. So this is like kind of my whole world kind of just I felt like it was closing in on me um, when this happened. And during that time, um, my mom, who was like, okay, daughter, and like, I come from an Italian family. So when my, you know, when, when my mom tells me what to do, I, I do it. <laughs> so she's like, you, I hope my daughter is listening. Yeah. <laughs> so she tells me, she's like, listen, you need to listen to some Tony Robbins. She put Gabby Bernstein in front of me. And she's like, 
YouTube. That's what you're watching. And, you know, Betsy, it, it, he really, they both really changed my life. They made me realize that I wasn't just a cop. How many times do we feel like we are just a cop or we are just a firefighter? We're just a waitress. We're just, right? I'm just a stay-at-home mom. No. What they helped me to realize is that I had a boatload of training, education, and experiences that I could I could do nothing with and rot on the couch like I was, or I could get out there and really help people and I could change lives. And I started doing that. Um I started doing it from literally my couch like that I'm looking at in my office. I had, you know, I was lucky in the day and the age of the phone and the camera was there. And um, I started a social media presence and then I started a podcast and my podcast is called She's an Asset. But back then it wasn't. It was called Sheepdog Nation. And in Betsy, my first zero to 10, you get, you'll get a kick out of this. My first zero to 10 episodes, I was angry. I was like, there's the angry, you know, officer who was hurt, who's mad at the world, who was mad at her administration. And I start this podcast. And then after 10 episodes, I'm like, all right, whew, got that off my chest. And my inbox flooded. Male and female cops across the country, across the world were yeah. messaging me. And they were like, ah, nobody understands me like you, Like, you're not, where are you going? We need more episodes. And, um, that was how I started. Talk about that next step. After people started contacting you, did you feel like, oh my God, now I feel responsible for, you know, uh, up in my game here. And what was your next steps? Yeah. And so I had, what I had done is while I'm doing this, I had hired some coaches, right? So I was seeing a therapist. Okay. But it, just so we're clear, a therapist and a coach are very two different things. You know, therapy helps with my mental health, but coaching really um, helps make me better in life, my personal development in all areas. Okay. Um, and so I hired some coaches to help me in different areas of my life. Cause I was, like I told you, I was down and out and, and then it dawned on me. Like, I mean, I just had, I just had hundreds of people and my social media was blowing up and I was like, how can I help people further? And I started, um, I started coaching, I started coaching and, um, and it was, it's been wonderful. I've been coaching professionally for the last eight years now. I've done more than just first responders. Um, I've done some business coaching. Um, I actually teach self-defense in person. I've done that virtually. Um, and I've done some other things, but primarily, you know, I'm really big into, as you know, you know, women's empowerment. And I have a soft spot for the, you know, women on the front lines because that was me. And so yeah, I developed this coaching practice um, and I've been able to really impact men and women and their families um, it, up close and personal, getting on the phone with these people. I host retreats. So um, in fact, we are having our fourth annual annual um, retreat for first responders in August in, um, in Maine. And anyways, I, you get this opportunity to get up close and personal, bring people into a group or really get to know these people where the job doesn't allow that. You know what I mean? It, 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 I, I hate surface level BS, right? I hate that. And I feel like that's what happens sometimes, you know, with the job because we, we can't get, you know, we, we have to be kind of robotic. We have to, we have checklists. We have things we have to do. We have to have the face on. And this really has allowed me an opportunity to get below the level. From there, 
I started developing. I have um, online courses. And then um, as of recently, for the last year or so, I've been in police departments training, um, hosting, you know, women's, it's called She's an Asset, a mindset training, Betsy, that um, has really been life-changing for them, but, and me too, to like watch these women come in so disempowered. And by the time they leave, they're like, I'm, I'm changing departments. I'm putting them from promotion. I don't know if I want to be a cop. Like, I mean, they're just transforming in front of my, in front of me. And it's been incredible. Now, how did you go from, you know, really what had to be a pretty dark place, you know, literally sitting on the couch, injured, um, to saying, you know what, I'm going to help other people. I'm going to become a coach. How, how did you make that transition? You know, Betsy, um, before I was injured, I remember being, you know, a lot of people become police officers for different reasons. We all do. We all have our reasons. And, you know, mine has always been, and as cliche as it may sound, I always wanted to be a role model. I always wanted to be a role model for people because what people don't understand is I didn't have, I didn't have a solid role model growing up. I had different women, you know, um, but they weren't like, they weren't solid for me and they didn't value me as much as I valued them. And I just wanted to be able to be there. I wanted to be able to be there in a, in a big way for people. And so I became an officer for that. When I was on duty, I spoke, they send, they would send me to the, um, citizens police academies. I was, you know, all that. Yep. Talk to anybody, right? That's it. I talked to anybody and they'd send me to all these groups. I was always the one when somebody would ride along, they'd come with me, you know, all, all of that. And so I knew, I remember, and, and I faced adversity. I did. I had some really poor leaders, um, that treated me very unfairly. And I remember one time just you know, talking to my mom, I was on duty and it was raining. And so there wasn't a whole lot going on. And I mean, every cop knows who pulls cars <laughs> over in the rain anyway. No, I'm kidding. It's a funny, but it's kind of true. Uh, anyway, so I'm talking to her and I'm like, I-, I need to write a book and this is pre-injury. And I'm like, I need to write a book. And she's like, why do you need to write a book? I'm like, because there has to be more women going through what I'm going through than just me. And like, I was so like down and out, like, when your whole shift is eating like dinner and they exclude you on purpose, mm-hmm. that that's that sucks. And like when dispatch is singling you out and sending you to all these calls because you're not a part of the good old boys club, like that sucks. So you also had to overcome a a really debilitating um, physical injury. And you have overcome that to the point where you know, I mean, you're in the gym and you're doing in-person self-defense classes. How did you accomplish that? Well, don't let social media kid you because it, I still like actually, um, I was in the gym and I have, I work very closely with, um, a couple of people who helped me with my PT, right? Like, so I, I went through intense, therapy five days a week for a long time. And then it went to three days a week, right? I've been going, I haven't stopped. I can't stop. And I, um, and I work a lot with my form. Um, actually last week I hurt my back so friggin' bad that, um, I couldn't, I couldn't move for like literally Mm -hmm. two days. Like, so it, it gets better. And then it's like never like gone, if that makes sense. Um, but the thing is, Betsy is I'm a lot like you, like I'm, I'm, you're not gonna, I'm, this doesn't define me. 
I define it, right? So I'm I'm moving along and and I just and I want to also I want people to know that like we're we're going to fall down. We are going to hit potholes in life. But don't let that keep you down. Don't stay in the pothole. Get up, keep going. Now, you also uh do public speaking and and uh, and you know, and they say most people would rather die by fire than speak in public. You're not one of those people. Uh neither am I. But um who who is your audience and who are you hoping to inspire? Because I know you have a lot of different audiences. Thank you. Yeah. So I'll tell you this. I, it is my dream. I think about this all the time. Um, I would never want to exclude anybody who, who resonates with what I have to say. I just want to put that out there. But right now who I'm focusing on is I'm really focused on the woman who is, has, is lacking self-confidence. She's anxiety, you know, struck and she's in like, just doesn't believe in herself. And she's very critical of herself. And I just want to remind her of who she is. And that that's really been my mission because I've been there. And, and not only have I been there once, I go there, I can go there time and time again. And whereas I think we all can, and that's not something that you just overcome one time, because if you're living life to the fullest, you're every day, you're trying, you're trying to go to your next level, right? So when we go to our next level, we start doubting ourselves like, oh, oh my goodness, can I speak to these? You know, I'm speaking um, in September to a, a, a female cup conference. I think there's going to be upwards of like 500 to a thousand women there. And I'm like, holy cow, can I do this? You know, and so then I go through that imposter syndrome. I go through that and the difference is, is I'm just not going to let that stop me. And I don't want it to stop women because I feel like it does. I really feel like it does. And we need more powerful women who believe in themselves. I mean, that's the thing. We have maintained this consistent 10% of uh, the law enforcement profession for, you know, the last couple of decades. And and uh, I, what are your thoughts on that? What What do you think needs to happen in law enforcement to bring more women to the profession. I mean, now we're having a hard time getting anybody to come to the profession, right? But but uh, what do you think needs to happen to bring more women to this profession? You know, Betsy, I, I, I could go on and on about this. I think the culture needs to change. I think that our culture is very old school, like very old school. And <clears throat> we have a very reactive culture, not everywhere, but by and large, um, we have lack of leadership, period, the end. Um, the lack of leadership in law enforcement, unfortunately, across the board. And I'm not saying uh, we have some great PDs. We have great agencies. I'm, and I'm not excluding them because we really do. But I can tell you from working up close and personal with a lot of people, um, they, they're just not common. It's just not common to have great leadership. I think that we really, I think we have to change it from the top down, um, make it more inclusive. And here's what I mean by that. I, I think that the standards should be the same across the board. I think that we need to stop making two standards it's because when we do that, we are automatically teaching people, oh, they're different. Like a woman is weaker. Wait a minute. No, like you and me have to do the same job. I want to be able to do what you have to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no. And I think that's a, a that's a great thought. You know, that's something my husband teaches a lot that, that, uh, when he was teaching firearms at the academy, uh, when he took over the program, 
he was uh, told he was supposed to give all the women in class a grip strengthener um, so they would be better shooters. And he'd start asking why, you know, our, it doesn't take a whole lot of strength to pull the trigger on that handgun, to handle that shotgun or rifle. Um, and why are we telling women they're weak? And I think exactly. that, you know, that we see that, right. You know, we see that happen. Yeah. And, and I just, I think it's just, a t I think it's just, we need a perception shift. And I believe, you know, doing the work that you and I are doing, we can do that internally, but we also need it to come from the leaders, right? We need our leaders to lead. Don't just be in a position. Just because right. you're a lieutenant does not actually mean you're a leader. I need you to lead. What What does that even mean? Like break that down. It's different for everybody, but. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So talk about the uh, the overcome and survive workshops. I mean, uh, you know, they they look fascinating. They seem to be multifaceted. Talk about that. Yeah. So that is actually, so um, I work with retired Navy SEAL Jason Redman um, and he puts on these overcome and survive workshops. He has put together an amazing, incredible lineup. He has um, he has a company come in. They're all special ops um, and law enforcement. It's called Tactical 21. They teach the firearms portion. We have um, a gentleman by the name of Sifu Allen Baker. He is literally Betsy, probably the most deadliest man. And you would, he has like 25 black belts in all different, um, you know, um, what's it called? Like different um, studies, different martial arts. And he's, and he like trains executive protection. He trains law enforcement. I mean, he's just incredible. And so unassuming, you would have no idea. Anyways, he comes in, he teaches the self-defense portion. He has a combat vet and a 20 year uh, fire lieutenant come in and teach um, the medical side. Jason's teaching the overcome aspect. I talk about situational awareness. I'm kind of coaching. I'm on the in-between. I'm coaching. I'm there for the women um, because this tends to not be, men tend to not be so intimidated by an event like this, but women are tend to be like, you know, um, I got to be a range officer and really help women shoot guns for the first time ever. Like we had a line of them and I got to be on the line teaching these women how to shoot guns, teaching them how to reload, teaching them all these things. It's absolutely incredible. Um, but the whole premise of this is to learn how to survive. Like if worst case scenario happens, how are you going to be a survivor? Um, whereas, and you get people from all walks of life to go to those workshops, right? Oh yeah. Everywhere. Mm -hmm. See, and that's, that's gotta be really fascinating and really rewarding to teach some of those skills that, you know, you learned as a cop um, yeah. to citizens, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that I do, I mean, that, that workshop is incredible. Just want to say that. And if anybody's interested, go to jasonredmond.com, look up overcome and survive workshops. We have another one in October. It's October 24th through the 26th. I will be there. It's in North Carolina. It's amazing. One of the things that I've been able to do is, um, so Betsy, I've been in the martial arts since I've been five years old. Um, I'm a second degree black belt. I've studied um, it's a Shotokan karate, but it's a um, mixed martial art. It is not Brazilian jujitsu. I just studied jujitsu. So like, it was like back before like BJJ was like really cool. Anyways, I've been able to, um, I got myself into becoming, um, I was an instructor at our police academy and I taught defensive tactics to cops, which is incredible. Being able to take that and teach that 
Um, I do that on the side. I teach um, self-defense to women. And it that to me is just so rewarding because I can take and I relate the calls that I've been to, right? Um, we had a really unfortunate situation in, in Saco, Maine. You can look it up. Um, years ago, we had an 84-year-old woman walking into a grocery store and a person, a younger person was a predator looking to kill somebody that day. This 84 year old woman goes into the supermarket, opens up a freezer door to grab like waffles. And this woman came up behind her and slit her throat in the, in the, in like, this doesn't happen in Maine. And it was absolutely devastating, excruciating. And, um, it wasn't my call. Um, but I did deal with the effects of the department, right? So, and that's not even talked a whole lot about in police work, but just because it wasn't my call doesn't mean there wasn't like, you know, I it wasn't impactful. Anyways, to be able to talk about situational awareness from, look, th- this really happens. This happens. Right. We have to not look like, a vi- we have to look like somebody who you do not want to mess with, you know? Um, that to me is just so incredibly rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, that it's everything you do is uh, is just amazing. Where can people find you, your social media, your website, all of that? Thank you. Um, yeah, so come hang out with me. My website is autumnclifford.com. I'm the Autumn Clifford on Instagram and Autumn Clifford on TikTok, Facebook, um, LinkedIn. I'm everywhere. Everything. You are everywhere doing <laughs> everything. You're involved in so much stuff. And I got to tell you, I cannot thank you enough for taking a, a little time and uh, and talking to us today uh, here at the NPA Report. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. Ma'am, put the gun down! Put the gun down! Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.